guys, it's Melissa. Since we're an independent podcast, your support means the absolute world, whether that's on social media, in a podcast review, or a word of mouth recommendation. If you've been enjoying this podcast and would like to take it a step further, I now have a support feature where you can contribute a one-time donation at whichever price you'd like. Click the link in the episode description to learn more. Thanks, guys. Now enjoy the show. The Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. We're good. <sighs> okay. Let me drink a glass of wine. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode three of the Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. I am Hello. starting. Hi, Melissa. I'm starting this episode in tears because Melissa and I just laughed for a good two minutes straight. So <laughs> know that I'm crying. And she's still crying as we're recording. Still crying. Um, also, it doesn't matter that this is episode three because you can listen to these episodes in any order for future reference. All right. Uh, Melissa, how are you? I'm good. I'm feeling good. It just started to rain, so I'm oh. a lot happier because I love the rain. I didn't realize it rained in California. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, we had four years of a drought, and now it's rained maybe twice this year in 2018, so we're on the right track. Hey, big money. Uh, All right, should we just get straight into the wine review? Yeah, let's do it. You want to go first? Okay. Yeah. So I am drinking, I'm really excited about this wine, not because it's that good, it really isn't TBH, but the label... Speaking to your topic last week of picking wine based on the label, looks like a tarot card, and it's a super Mm. sick design. The name of the wine is Prophecy, with a period at the end, so it's like its own sentence. It's 2016 Marlboro. It's okay. It's like fresh and light and acidic and some other weird adjectives I don't know. Um... I would pair this and actually did earlier this evening with a mushroom truffle flatbread from Trader Joe's that I stole from my roommate. Damn, that sounds bomb. It was really good. Wait, let me get a glance at the uh, bottle image. It's like a, it's like a queen, but it's like, you know, those Russian dolls that nest in each other. Yeah. It's like a little Russian doll queen and there's just like smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller ones. It's real cute. Yum. Yeah. Prophecy, that whole label has like every single, or that brand, every single label kind of looks like that. Looks like a different tarot card. That's really cool. Did you get it at the whole paycheck? I did not actually got it at the Winn-Dix. So Winn-Dixie is like the big chain store down here and I don't usually go. Um, But I went there for a specific type of coffee today and I decided to shake it up and just get my wine there instead of the paycheck. I I like your abbreviation of win dicks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's my motto in life. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> what are you drinking? Ooh. Well, I actually did go to the whole paycheck this week <gasps> because there were some vaginal probiotics I needed to pick up oh. in the refrigerated section. Lovely. And so <laughs> I went to the whole paycheck and decided... I would browse their wine selection, and I got a, what I think, I think it's pronounced Bubbo, it's B-U-B-O, mm-hmm. and it's a Pinot Grigio 2016, and you beat me just by a tad, yes. it's at 12% alcohol by volume. Sucka. Um... And I got it because, again, I was obsessed with the label. It's this, like, really pretty painted owl. Cute. It's kind of, like, Aztec-y. And then I looked at the back, and this is what it says. Bubbo is the Latin word for owl and the name of the goddess Athena's magical owl. Okay. So, I thought that was kind of cool. Educational wine. I can fuck with Athena. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay. It's like it's it's like super smooth 
and like very easy to drink, but it's a little bit sweet for my liking. So, I mean, I'm going to have no problem getting through this whole bottle, but I'd probably, you know, buy this only if I happen to be waltzing through the whole paycheck. I probably won't go back to buy it. You know what I was thinking? That, like, if you spend your wine label space talking about owls and not your wine notes, then it's probably not a very good wine. You know what I mean? Instead of being like, do you know how fucking good our wine is? They're like, what do you know about owls? Like, mm. (laughs) Okay, that's all I need to know. What would you pair it with? Um, I feel like because it's so sweet, you would have to pair it with something that would like cut against the sweetness. So I feel like it's a, it would be a good cheese wine, but you'd Mm -hmm. have to go like brie Mm. or like, I don't know, something dank. Yeah. Something a little danky. Dank ass cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Like you couldn't go grapes or anything sweet because then that's just an overload of sweet. So you need to get some stank up in this bitch. Some stank dank with your owl wine. With your stank dank with your bubbo. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's it's good for today. I want to know a little bit more about why you had to go to the whole paycheck to get your vaginal probiotics. Oh, well, because the whole paycheck has like a refrigerated section where they sell um, medic, like I guess medication or um, supplements that have live cultures in them, so they have mm. to be refrigerated to stay alive. Okay. And the vagina is just a dark, scary place, and it needs to be constantly tended to. Mm -hmm. And so I like to consume probiotics that are specifically for vaginal health. Um, So when I take these probiotics, they go straight to the the punani, and they provide it with all the live cultures it needs to remain healthy. I am so impressed with and proud of the fact that you have, like, a standard vaginal component to your self-care routine well you know i'm a vaginal witch you are a vaginal witch oh we didn't talk about price i think mine was like eight dollars i want to say mine might have actually been like 10 i feel like i it was enough that i was like oh i won't get a hangover if i drink this whole bottle which i inevitably will um yeah for sure anything anything under seven i'm like tomorrow's gonna suck ass like guaranteed let's let's get started so, I will go first. Um, this week, I am doing a very, very extra special lady mm-hmm. that goes by the name of Laverne Cox. Ooh! Yes, Queen, yes! <laughs> I very deliberately For- tried not to screen that so the microphone wouldn't clip. Because <laughs> I'm professional. <laughs> She is known as um, a transgender actress, best known for her role in the Netflix series Orange is the New Black. So, if anybody didn't know that um, half a second ago, now it's probably clicking for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, here is some info about her life. Um, once again, I like went into this knowing like the obvious details and then i was blown away by like all the other stuff i learned about her wait can i can i ask why you decided laverne you know i honestly cannot even remember how this came to me last week sort of want to do a femme identified woman yes so here we are Yes, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so here, here's, here's a little bio on Laverne. Uh, Laverne was born in 1984 in Mobile, Alabama. Ooh. And I'm not actually sure if that's how you say Mobile. Mobile, Mobile. I'm just going to call it Mobile, Alabama. I think that's right. Um, As someone who's lived in New Orleans for less than a year, I'm going to co-sign that that's correct. Okay, thanks. Mm -hmm. So she has a twin brother, and they were raised by their single mother and grandmother within the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church. Oh, shit. Which I'm sure that's like as fucking Southern as Southern gets. Oh, my God. Um, Though Laverne was born biologically male, she always felt herself to be female and never really seeing a difference between boys and girls. 
She began studying dance at eight years old while living in Alabama and was performing in dance recitals and talent shows by the time she was in third grade. Her childhood was filled with dreams of fame and performing in television, movies, and on Broadway. During her childhood, she was often taunted and harassed for being feminine, Mm. and at age 11, she very sadly attempted suicide when she noticed that she had developed feelings about her male classmates. Oh, baby. That's so young. I know. 11 years old? I think that's probably, like, fourth grade. (laughs) I think that's kind of... I remember being 11 in sixth grade. Oh, okay. (laughs) But I also remember kind of wanting to kill myself in sixth grade, so that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Junior high's rough, dude. Yeah, and you're, like, you're kind of transitioning out of that, like, really young, uh, innocent stage of youth and entering into, like, the age where you're starting to recognize the realities of the world. Right. Like, it it isn't just all fairy tales and unicorns anymore. No, and as you're trying to navigate that, I feel like everyone goes through, like, a sociopathic phase in their junior high years where they are just the meanest people on planet Earth to whoever is around them. So... If you're, if you're listening to this and you're in junior high, first of all, turn this shit off because this is not age appropriate. But second of all, hang on. You'll get through it. Just like fart on people. Just like find something that makes you happy. It doesn't last forever. Okay, I'm done. It lasts until you're at least 23. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. Um, okay, so Laverne received a scholarship to study at the Alabama School of Fine Arts, where she studied creative writing before switching over to dance. She then received a dance scholarship to study at Indiana University Bloomington before transferring to Marymount, Marymount Manhattan College in New York, where she graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in dance. Her twin also attended Marymount Manhattan College, pursuing studies in visual arts. It was at Marymount that the acting bug hit Laverne. Her first week at the college, she was approached by a teacher who thought she would be perfect for a play he was doing in the theater department. This was the first of many plays Laverne did, even though she was a dance major. While this was frowned upon, she never played by the rules and just did not give a fuck and was like, I'm going to be in these plays. I don't give a shit what my major is. Um, During her senior year, Laverne was scouted to be in her first film while spotted on a subway. She was sporting long box braids, too much makeup with long lashes, a paisley vintage coat with a faux fur collar, platform shoes, and a mini dress. Yes, queen! Yes! Oh my god. (laughs) Somebody, Somebody saw her and was like, that lady needs to be an actress. During her college years, she went from being gender nonconforming to being more and more femme. She would soon start her medical transition and identify as female. As she began her transition, she knew she wanted to continue to perform and often found herself performing in drag shows in the nightclub scene. She never really identified as a drag queen, but it provided an outlet for her desire to perform. When she began auditioning for agents and casting directors, she did not originally disclose that she was transgender. She assumed many of them probably knew, but she didn't want to lead with being trans. She wanted to lead with her talents, and she was also still dealing with a lot of shame about being trans. So but, was she like, so was she like, I, I assume she's auditioning as a female? Like yes. presenting? Okay, word. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think that was post her already in the transition period. Got it. Okay. Or maybe it was, like, during the transition. I don't mm-hmm. know that she'd made a full transition yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but she was just trying to show up to female roles as she was and not, you know, disclosing that I'm actually biologically man. So Laverne started making postcards with photos of herself that read quote laverne cox is the answer to all your acting needs and she then (laughs) she then sent them to 500 agents and casting directors and it led to four meetings one of those meetings was was with paul hileppo who is still her manager today yes so she freaking nailed it is that what we should be doing i think so (laughs) 
throw a bunch of fucking spaghetti at the wall, girl. See what sticks. (laughs) I love it. I know. So this sort of leads into her career now. Um, Her career started when she appeared as a contestant on the first season of I Want to Work for Diddy, which I have, like, no memory of that (laughs) reality show at all. (laughs) And, like, I have, like, religiously... Yeah, I've, like, religiously watched reality television, and I have no memory of that show, so I don't know where I, what rock I was hiding under, but I really want to dig that up and see what she looked like in her very first, like, TV performance. Oh, my God. Um, but after she, after she did that show, she was approached by VH1 about various other show ideas, and through that came the makeover TV series that's called Transform Me which made Laverne the first African-American transgender person to produce and star in her own TV show. Mm. Which is, like, crazy. Like, she went on one reality show with P. Diddy, and then literally, like, right after that, was already producing her own TV show and starting in it. Right. Well, how did, like... So, I mean, maybe you don't know this, but now I'm just super fucking curious about this P. Diddy show. Was she, like... Was it, like, an elimination show where you get, like... Yeah, I think it was one of those types of shows where P. Diddy, like, needed an assistant. And so all these people were contestants, and they probably had to do, like, (laughs) dumb shit or run all around New York City and do these tasks. And then I think they, like, get kicked off one by one. And I don't know if she actually, like, won the series, but Uh I think she made such an impression. Uh-huh. that she was like a fan favorite i love the idea too of like i'm imagining he needed an assistant to just like format his excel workbooks and he was like i might as well just make money off of this and turn this into a reality television show <laughs> pretty much but here's the crazy part so after that whole diddy stunt and then the transform me show that she produced both of those shows were nominated for glad media awards which i think is the gay and lesbian multimedia i don't Mm -hmm. know what the whole name for it but something along those lines so they were both nominated for those media awards for outstanding reality television programs and diddy actually won it in 2009 and when he won laverne accepted the award yeah um giving a speech described by the San Francisco Centennial as, quote, among the most poignant because it reminded us how important it is to tell our stories, all of our stories. How cool is that, though? That, like, did he won the award and he allowed her to accept it and make the speech? Well, you know what's so funny is when you said that, I immediately got really defensive of her and I was like, he didn't even fucking do anything. And then he actually was, like, a decent person and let her accept it yeah so, great work Probably and also because- like good job p diddy i didn't even know you were out here being progressive in this way god bless you right who knew yeah. i haven't yeah. even seen p diddy in like 10 years right <laughs> girl he was everywhere and then he was gone yep i think j-lo had something to do with that p diddy if you're out there and you're listening give us a call let us know you're okay uh also if you want to sponsor this podcast any fucking time um he also has alcohol too doesn't he have the vodka (laughs) so so do i bitch so do i (laughs) if if you'd like to sponsor us with some vodka we're more than happy to oblige absolutely we'll give it we'll just try it just to see how it is and we'll let the viewers know (laughs) um so Laverne has also acted in a number of TV shows, including my favorite show ever, Law & Order SVU. She was in Bored to Death and a show called Musical Chairs. Um, But in 2013, Laverne began her reoccurring role in the Netflix series Orange is the New Black. But at that time, she was still appearing at a restaurant on the Lower East Side as a drag queen. Mm. Um. In Orange is the New Black, Laverne plays the role of Sophia Bursett, a trans woman sent to prison for credit card fraud, and this is the coolest part, her twin brother played the pre-transitioning Sophia on the show. Yes! Oh my god! Have you seen that show? I've, so, I didn't want to say it, I have never, ever watched Orange is the New Black. Okay, well, the, I'll just give you a little backstory. The way that they film the show, they do sort of a past and present flashback, or I guess 
a a swap where like you can you see Mm -hmm. the character in prison and then during the episode it will flash back into her pre-prison life showing how she got there so you were looking at uh laverne as sophia in prison but then when it was going back time to her like you know, before prison, it was her twin brother that was playing that role. Do so they look, cool. are they, like, identical? Like, does he look a lot like her? Did you see? Yeah. Okay. That's so they look wild. Yeah. She was like, honey, I'm going to pay your rent for the month. Come get on the show. When asked about her role as Sophia, Laverne said, quote, Sophia is written as a multidimensional character who the audience can really empathize with. All of a sudden, they're empathizing with a real trans person. And for trans folks out there who need to see representations of people who are like them and of their experiences, that's when it really becomes important. Um, So in 2014, Laverne joined another transgender model named Carmen Carrera, who is best known for her appearance (laughs) on RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. Um, So the two of them were guests on Katie Couric's show called Katie. Have you heard anything about this interview? No, no. Shit hit the motherfucking <gasps> fan. Katie, Katie, yeah. what did you do? Yeah. Oh god, exactly. what happened? What did Katie do? So, so basically Carmen and Laverne were guests on the show, but they were not present at the same time. So Carmen came in first, did her little interview and then left the stage, and then Laverne came in and did her little interview and left. Mm-hmm. So, while Carmen was doing her interview, Uh, So the whole point of this entire interview television show was to discuss their upcoming or to discuss their careers, their upcoming projects and their experiences as high profile transgender women who use their platform to bring issues of trans justice to national attention. Mm -hmm. But quickly into Carmen's interview, Katie Couric made it very obvious that she was only interested in talking to both women about their genitalia. Oh my god. What did she ask? So, the interview started, she asked some career questions, blah blah blah, and then things started to seem a little bit odd when viewers kept being reminded about Carmen's transition by being shown pictures of her in bandages and mentions of her transition in every chance possible. What the fuck? So, like, you know on those shows how they can have, like, the TV in the background that's showing images or pictures during the interview? So all of those pictures were just of, like, whatever photos Carmen had of her, like, straight out of surgery. So they were, like, not good. Like, you know, they were, like, really brutal. Um, And then later, when Katie introduced Carmen, like, everybody, this is Carmen, she said, quote, she was born a man, and that's why she's on our show. Oh! (laughs) Making it very clear that she's only interesting because of her transition. Ugh! So still, within the same interview, she goes on to ask Carmen if transitioning was painful because of (gasps) all the surgery she had to go through. And Carmen sat there looking very confused and then responded by talking a little bit about her nose job and her boob job. Um, And then that's when Katie pounced. She immediately asked if Carmen's, quote, private parts are, quote, different now. Oh, my God. And if she's had the surgery yet. Carmen responded perfectly um, by first, like, literally shushing Katie, being like, shh, no. Thank you. Um, Basically, like, letting her know, like, don't ask, like, questions like that. Yeah. And then she... And then she told her, quote, I don't want to talk about it. It's really personal. So that's that's what happened with Carmen. So then the show goes on a break. And when the break's over, it's Laverne's turn to come out to the stage. Jesus. By the blood of Christ. (laughs) Laverne makes it out onto the stage and they do the same spiel where they talk a little bit about her career and then she immediately jumped back onto the topic of surgery. Um, Katie explained to Laverne that she just wants to be educated and that a lot of people are curious because they're not, quote, familiar with transgenders, quote. (laughs) 
So then she told Laverne that Carmen had recoiled when asked about surgery and said that cis people are preoccupied with the genitalia question. Laverne's response was absolutely perfect. She said, quote, I do feel there is a preoccupation with that. The preoccupation with transition and surgery objectifies trans people, and then we don't get to really deal with the real lived experiences. The reality of trans people's lives is that so often we are targets of violence. We experience discrimination disproportionately to the rest of the community. Our unemployment rate is twice the national average. If you are a trans person of color, that rate is four times the national average. The homicide rate is highest among trans women. If we focus on transition, we don't actually get to talk about those things. She then turned her attention to the recent murder of a 21-year-old trans woman. And so Laverne brought up that recent murder that had just happened. And then she continued to discuss the staggering rate of violence against trans people in the U.S. And she continued by saying, quote, by focusing on bodies, we don't focus on the lived realities of the oppression and that discrimination. Yes. Damn, she came with facts and figures. She did. And you, after this is over, you need to look up that video. You can just Google Laverne Cox and Katie Couric and is the first thing that pops up. And there's just a whole YouTube clip of that conversation. And it's just like Laverne just being like so professional, so Mm -hmm. polite. You know, she doesn't come off aggressive or even offended, but she's just like approaches it like very smart in a way where she makes it obvious to the entire room and all viewers that the question that you just asked is extremely ignorant and extremely offensive um but i'm not going to actually confront you about that out loud because you just did that to yourself can we take a second so what what year was this interview I mean, I don't actually have the year, but it could have it been was within the 2013, last, maybe? Yeah, I was going to say, it has to have been within the last five years, because I remember like following Carmen Carrera's transition process on her social media accounts. And not that like not that it matters what year it is, but at that point, we're already talking about it on a national level, and you're a fucking, you're in news media. But also, like, as a female, like, I'm going to I'm gonna say it, like, as a female, regardless of what you're born as, you are constantly objectified for the parts that you have, and that you're going to fucking subject, like, I just think that you can't take that experience and empathize with these women who are sitting on stage with you, and you just go at it, like, they're just, it's a fucking free-for-all, I just, it, yeah, that's disgusting like do you do you mean katie couric as a woman who has no doubt experienced yeah, the same object- absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah like how can you not you, it's not okay regardless but you have to have been through that yourself on a personal level and like how fucking ignorant and willfully blind do you have to be to not understand that you're doing the exact same thing to these women well, and I think a, a large part of it, too, is that when you're in news and media, you get to a point where getting the ratings is more important than treating people well. But like, yeah, she mean, probably word. really just wanted to get the yes or no answer on what what is the current state of their genitals, and she didn't give a shit how that made anybody feel. That's all she cared about, was getting that answer to boost her ratings and extend her salary. I can't believe I never heard of it until now. Like, especially at that point in my life, I was super, super activist, so I don't know how I never heard about that. Is that show still on? I hope not. Katie, I'm mad at you. No, I don't think so. I don't think it is, Um, but I'm poor and don't have TV, so I wouldn't wouldn't know either way. (laughs) Well, you can use um, my mom's cable login to find out (laughs) if you really want. (laughs) So after that happened, news outlets went nuts. Like, the Salon, the Huffington Post, Business Insider, they all covered you know, this interview and criticize Katie for how clueless and invasive her line of questioning was. So she got dragged through the mud after she did what she did. Yeah, but definitely, definitely look up that YouTube because you'll want to watch it. It's only like two minutes long, but it is like Laverne just literally as a powerhouse and like she's so poised and she does it in such like a way where you only can 
gain more respect for her for handling it so uh, well. Yeah. Um, so this kind of brings us to just Laverne and all of her badass ways. So I'm going to tell you a couple of really awesome awards she's won and, you know, really amazing things she's done in terms of as- activist work in the community. In 2014, Laverne became the first transgender person in history to be nominated for a Primetime Emmy Award in an acting category, Outstanding Supporting Actress in Comedy Series, for her role as Sophia Bursette in Orange is the new black yes in 2014 she was named as one of glamour magazine's women of the year she was also included in the annual route 100 this list honors standout black leaders innovators and culture shapers aged 45 and younger also in 2014 she was featured on the fifth anniversary cover of candy magazine along with 13 other transgender women in 2015, Laverne won a Daytime Emmy Award in Outstanding Special Class Special as executive producer for Laverne Cox Presents The T-Word, which was her show that she created and produced. Um, but that award also made her the first openly transgender woman to win an Emmy as an executive producer, as well as the T-Word is the first trans documentary to win a Daytime Emmy. Yes! just killing all these firsts yeah also like i didn't i've been thinking this whole time i didn't realize she's as young as she is she's like five years older than me yeah yeah i didn't realize i don't know why because it's not like she looks old but she's so mature and how she comes off she's super mature yeah Yeah. she comes off very mature and wise and just like poised yes yes Okay. Um, in 2015, Laverne, among others, posed nude for the Allure Annuals Nudes issue, becoming the first openly transgender actress to do so. Please tell me the name of the issue was, how about now, Katie? How about now? <laughs> Here's your fucking answer, bitch. Right? um also in 2015 she became the first openly transgender person to have a wax figure of herself at madame (laughs) Tussauds. that's girl that's the best of all the firsts that you've mentioned so far listen if 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 i if at any point in my life somebody wants to make a wax figurine of me i think that means you've made it you've made it no doubt in 2017, she became the first transgender person to play a transgender series regular on broadcast TV as Cameron Worth on the CBS show called Doubt. Also, in that same year, she was nominated for another Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Actress in a Drama Series for her role in Orange is the New Black. Again in 2017, she became one of the four faces of the fall campaign for the Ivy Park clothing line, which is owned by Beyonce. Right. Um, who she actually is also obsessed with. So yes. I can only imagine yes. how unbelievably exciting that would be yeah. to have your like dream idol ask you to be in the campaign of their clothing line. Right. I couldn't even imagine. Well, imagine it because that's going to be us, but like <laughs> with alcohol instead of clothing, <laughs> which just really makes more sense for us anyway. Um. She was also the first transgender person in history to appear on the cover of Time magazine. She has continued to be an advocate for trans and LGBT rights, hosting her own column on the Huffington Post, where she penned an eloquent essay on gender expression and oppression. So that's basically what's where Laverne is at from, you know, birth to today. So that's everything that she's accomplished. Um, There were a couple of things that I read that I thought were really interesting to include in this episode about her. But first and foremost, in this interview with Gawker, one of the first questions that was asked was, how is dating for you? Mm. She said, when you're on TV, it actually makes it harder because most men that are into transgender women don't want anyone to know about it. Mm. A lot of the am I passable enough stuff comes up in dating. A lot of men want to date their fantasy and their fantasy is a trans woman that no one would ever know as trans. 
once a lot of guys find out I have a high profile, they know they can't deal with this. It scares them off. I'm allegedly intimidating anyway. I think what's troubling about dating as a trans woman is that a lot of men have realized they're into trans women through pornography. Mm-hmm. So they'll approach me in some pornographic way. Many of them haven't met someone trans. They don't realize that that's not okay. Or because of their own internalized stigma or shame around being attracted to trans women, they project that onto us. I see that a lot. I've dated a lot of guys who have projected their shame onto me. I'm going to tell on some of the people I've dated and slept with right now, but do it. it. I'm going to do it because there's a car alarm going off anyway, and I have to fill the void. So I have had like men who identify as straight. I've had at least two men that I've dated who have admitted to me that they like they would be interested in sleeping with trans women, but I don't know that that is something they would like tell the world. And I think it's really interesting that they both identified as straight men, you know, like which I don't, I don't, I, girl, I'm not the one who arbitrates that. Like I don't know what's straight, what's gay. That's not my job to say what's what. But I just found that really interesting. And I, like, I have a feeling, I bring it up because I have a feeling, I just have a feeling more men are into it or would be open to it than, like, we actually realize as straight women, as cis women. I think so. I completely agree. And I think that a lot of, if that is true, I think that the appeal might not be specifically surrounding like sexual attraction but more in regards to whatever type of power trip they get thinking about being with a man as a woman like i think there's something something there that ignites you know the ego and the power which ignites the sex yeah totally no, I believe that. I also, honestly, you know, it depends on how, you know, whether or not you've transitioned, whether or not you've gotten genital reassignment surgery. But I think, you know, like, I've always been of the opinion that straight men are the gayest people on planet Earth. And they all are just secretly obsessed with men and dick. And I think, like, trans women are that perfect middle ground for quote-unquote straight men. We might have to edit this out because I'm getting way too fucking real. But, I mean, like, it's... And I, you know, too... Since we were talking about Carmen Carrera earlier, there was... um, What was her name? Courtney something. There was another contestant on another season of RuPaul's Drag Race, and she said she was really in her drag. She looked straight up like a woman, like this really pretty girl. And she she has this quote. She was like, "I mean, fucking straight men, it's like shooting fish in a barrel." And I was like, "I believe that. Like, I believe that gay men are out there fucking all the straight men, and I'm sure trans women are out there fucking a lot of quote straight men too." Yeah, I mean, my. One of my best friends, Ricky, um, RIP, he passed away a few years ago. Um, the one, one of the greatest memories I have of him is the number of straight men he stole from me and blatantly <laughs> right in front of my face. He did not give a fuck. I would be talking to a guy at a bar and we would be hitting it off, flirting it up. And three minutes later, I walk away to grab a drink and Ricky has his tongue down that guy's throat and they leave the bar together. <laughs> So, yeah, um, I I have told him that there's one thing Ricky taught me is that all men are a little bit gay. At least a little. At least a little. <laughs> so gay. So gay. But, that, so, yeah. I mean, but that's like a really interesting point that she brings up, though, of like how be that as it may, whether or not they want to be open enough about it to be seen in public with these people is a whole nother story and it's and that's fucked up Ugh. yeah so then this last thing that i wanted to read that was in an article that she wrote and this was an article she wrote in 2013 to the advocate and the title of the piece is threat or threatened and mm-hmm. so this was a really powerful um paragraph that i took out of her her piece so she says When I was perceived as a black man, I became a threat to public safety. When I was dressed as myself, it was my safety that was threatened. 
It was usually the other black people who policed my gender, called me out, or made fun of me on subways, street corners, or in cafes. I believe it's because I am also black that I became their target. These same folks would often ignore white trans and gender nonconforming folks in the same spaces, even those who passed even less than I did at the time. Systematic racism not only encourages the state and non-black individuals to police and monitor black bodies, white supremacy encourages other black folks to do so as well. Uh, God, I love her Ooh. so much. Right? She's so good. She's, she's like a, smart too. She's I was gonna say she's like a model slash actress slash scholar slash trailblazer. Like she's everything. I know. Um, and like, what about how she was already getting scholarships to school when she was like a kid? Like, she was, like, she was just killing the game from day one. Like, she was somebody that was, like, meant to be important. Yeah, totally. And, you know, maybe that was something that she never knew as a kid with all her struggles and what she was going through. But, like, this woman was, like, born because she was going to be something important. And at She's already doing it. And also just, you know, courage is one of those words that I feel like is almost cheesy and useless because it's so overused. But I mean, literally, like, you know, you mentioned that she had attempted suicide at 11. So obviously, you know, like she was dealing with some real life shit going through what she was going through and yet still was able to be vulnerable enough to like put herself out there and send out cards to 500 people across New York City or whatever. You know, like I just... Ah, just so brave um as cheesy as it is to use that word sometimes especially to describe lgbtq folk it's like damn like i i am afraid i'm afraid to talk to like you know a cute girl at the bar or whatever and she's like out there getting it all even though she's gone through so much Ah, yeah and so smart so one one last thing i wanted to touch on her twin Yes. What the fuck is the story with her twin? So I like get through all this research about her and then I that's like one of the last thoughts that came to my mind was like, oh yeah, she has a freaking twin brother. Like, what is his story? Who is he to her? Is he a support system? You know, what does he feel about her fame? Where is he? What is he doing? So I did a little research on him and he goes by the name M. Lamar. And Mm -hmm. he describes himself as a singer, songwriter, composer, utilizing a mixed media of art forms, including opera, heavy metal, goth performance, sculpture, and video installations. He has self-described himself as non-binary Negro goth. Oh my god, yes. Who are these kids? Um, he and he identifies as genderqueer. He states that he has never come out as anything. He's dated men and women. He's always had a radical openness and has never been interested in defining himself. So I found this interview that he did um, with somebody who I, I don't recall now. Um, and they talked a little bit about his upbringing. And then, of course, they brought in Laverne and... I wrote down some of the things that he said, and I would like to discuss them with you and see what you think about it. Please. So this is something that he said. Laverne's a very mainstream person. When she first started going in that direction, I was frightened for her and the scrutiny she would receive. A lot of the work she has done for herself and as an actor is about being a better human. I love her, and I wouldn't wish that scrutiny on her or anybody. Everything about me is going to turn off her mainstream fan base, and that's by design. Sure, people might look over at what I'm doing because I'm her brother, but what I do is not designed to cross over to the mainstream. That's not my goal. I'm not looking for that sort of fame or recognition. 
I'm on record as saying that a lot of people who are transitioning are buying into strict normatives about gender, a very binary model. They are going for a passing masculinity or femininity or high butch masculinity or high femme femininity. I've never been interested in any of that. I am Negro goth, a term I created that allows me to exist in a nebulous space. My position is that this gender revolution that is currently happening should open up space for all kinds of possibilities. Hormonal or surgical procedures are not necessarily the thing for every person. People like Laverne Cox or Janet Mock or Caitlyn Jenner conform so well to what's on magazine covers that there's not a revolution happening. I'm interested in things that look differently than like Beyonce or a style icon or a beauty icon. My sister worships Beyonce that's no secret but being a enam- <laughs> but being enamored of people like Beyonce or a Kerry Washington in the confines of white supremacy is not a radical thing because they're light-skinned and fit the ideal beauty construct <gasps> I love him him does he go by him ah uh, yes I, I love this person just because he's so- are you are you sensing a little bit of shade though I mean it's I th- a little, however, I think, yeah, I mean, he didn't need to drag sis like he did. He didn't need to drag sis like he did. That being said, I think he brings up some really good points. Like, he's just saying, like, there's, you know, like, there's so many different ways you can do this, and... I mean, yeah, I guess it is a little, like, self-gratifying. Like, I'm... Like, I there like the shade that I was picking up was him saying I love my sister I'm happy that she did that what's right for her but I don't believe that conforming to these you know gendered expectations or images are what we should be doing but like if that's what Laverne wants to do because that's what feels normal to her shouldn't be critiqued because somebody else doesn't have that same feeling yeah i like that's interesting because i didn't necessarily take it that way i think like i can see why you would think that i think he was just saying like that's one way of doing it and this is how i do it and it's different and they're different things um but like i would of course i would because i'm the kind of person who critiques everything everybody does all the fucking time would take this person's side but no i get like do you know what the like what the nature of their relationship is are they close yeah i think they're cool they're they're close okay Um, i think being that they both share you know this unconventional lifestyle Mm -hmm. helps um but i do think that like christmas is probably like this beautiful (laughs) bombshell of Vern next to this like hardcore goth and they basically like are fighting over the dinner table about who's doing things the right way (laughs) or how things should be done Uh, i can't wait to guess their signs um well now's the time it has to be gemini it's gemini yeah it had to be (laughs) absolutely had to be yeah of course it is of course it is um they're well they're twins of course for one but just the way like that intersection of creativity and intellectualism and the fact that like like just they're the epitome of gemini's like she went this quote-unquote mainstream way and he went this negro goth way and that's just like those are the two twins i mean aside from the fact that they're twins that's why it made perfect sense to me because it's like they are like two like they are each one side of that gemini dichotomy um that's crazy huh yeah that was easy that was so easy that was the easiest one yet but if i didn't tell you about the twin brother would you have been able to have guessed it if you hadn't told me what sorry you cut out about the twin brother um that would have been gemini probably would have been my first guess anyway yeah it would have been it would have been just because just because she's done so many different things because of the fact that 
like I said, she unites that like creative side and the intellectual side. I think something that a lot of people don't necessarily always assume about Gemini's is that we can be really smart. Um, and now I'm just like bragging, but um, which is also a very Gemini trait. Um, but I think like we can come off as being very like entertaining and funny and light and shallow. And so people don't necessarily quickly make the connection that we can also be really insightful and deep until they sit down and actually drink some wine with us and talk to us or until they put us on a talk show and start asking us questions about our genitalia <laughs> and then Laverne Cox has to shut that shit down. Um, yep. In the best but way honestly, possible. But yeah, TBH, like, I would have guessed Gemini first for Laverne thinking like, well, maybe she could be a fire sign, but no doubt like her brother, absolutely Gemini. Like just that whole yeah. thing you just said, like, that's a Gemini. Like that's, that's what that is. There's no other sign that could possibly be. Um, you have complicated feelings about brother though. I love it. No, love not it. really complicated feelings about him. I just feel like he did throw a little bit of shade because he's so up his own ass about being non-mainstream. Like, he's so Word. obsessed with himself for being so, you know, original. Word. That, like, w- within loving that about him, he kind of has to drag her down a little bit. And it may okay. not be, it may not be out of spite or, like, you know, um, evilness, but it just, in order for him to be who he is, yeah. he has to kind of reject the path she took. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of I th- feel like he, there's no way to not be shady about that. Yeah. I do think something, so it's funny because something that I think Gemini's and Aquarius, I mean, Gemini's and Aquarians have a lot in common, but I think something that we have in common, and it's funny because I can sometimes get really mad at Aquarians for this, is that we have a tendency to, to kind of resent people for not getting it. We're like, you just didn't get us. Like, you just, like, I get what you're doing, but, like, you just didn't get with us, us. Like, we're so non-tradish, and, like, you just didn't get it. Um, and it's obnoxious, and I do it all the fucking time. <laughs> so, and that's also, I think, why, like, I wasn't as aggro about it, is because Geminis love Geminis. And we're like, no, yeah. like, you just, like, you just don't get it. You just, you don't get it, Melissa. You just don't understand. I'm just too <laughs> earthy and practical for you fuckers. You're just a real person. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, <laughs> so, well, yeah, Laverne. Damn, Miss Cox, look at you. I want to know more about her brother, too. I'm going to find him. I'm looking yeah, obsessed with him. Yeah, do some research on him. You'll love it. Okay. All right. All right. Well, she's, um, I don't even know what to say, except that, like, she's the best in duh. Like, she's out there killing it. I, I'm, I'd love to see what happens in the next 30 years. She'll pro- Girl, she's yeah. probably, like, the, she's the next Oprah, probably. It's Melissa. So it turned out that CJ and I got way too crunk during episode three, and that shit turned into like four hours of drunk rambling. Oops. So we cut it in half. You just heard part one, and you can listen to part two next. Bye.